Heavenly Father, we are grateful that we once again have this day to rest in your presence, gather as your people, to receive from your word, your grace, and your truth, which empowers us throughout this week. And from the sacrament, Lord, which reminds us that we are welcome in your presence, despite our performance, trusting in you. And I pray that as we look at this passage once again, that we would see that grace and truth, and you would equip us to be the salt and light you've called us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. It's a Christmas time tradition in many a household to watch It's a Wonderful Life. And it's the one line in the movie in which the whole movie hinges on. George Bailey is sitting stressed out at Martini's bar and he utters these words to God. Oh God, dear Father in heaven, I'm not a praying man. But if you're up there, show me the way. I'm at the end of my rope. Show me the way. And God does. The whole rest of the story hinges on that prayer, right? There's a saying in the military that there's no atheists in foxholes. And it's interesting. We live in a culture where, you know, Less and less participation in church might be a reality, but people are interested in the reality of God. So today we turn to learning from Philip how we might more effectively invite people to come and see God, who he is in Jesus Christ. We're in a series on contagious Christianity where... Today, we're going to give you another tool in your tool belt. Um, in a sense, every tool that we're using is an appeal to have others whom we love and care for come and see. Really, I mean, last week was an appeal, right? You want to read the Bible with me? Right? And so we're doing this series, just giving tools in our tool belt, but this one in particular, you're good at. You are. Many of you reach out to your friends and say, come and see. Those invitation cards we give out at Christmas and Easter, you know. People use them. It's awesome. But putting other tools are vital for us to be salt and light we've call, been called to be. Week one, we talked about the necessity of this. We must be outward-focused followers of Christ. Week two, we discovered how we're all wired differently. Some of us are come and see people. Some of us are direct people. Some of us are questioning people. Let's find that fit that works best. Two weeks ago, we talked about using questions to further conversations. And last week, we said going from those questions to taking people to an invitation to share the Bible one-to-one. -one. There's a couple. There's some booklets still back there. Please take them. They're there for you. It's important that we actually do use them as reading the Bible with other people. And so this week, we come to come and see. You heard that in the Old Testament lesson. Come, everyone who thirsts. Come to the water. 
He who has no money, come, buy, and eat. It's what the Lord's heart is. Come and see. And so I want to encourage you to think of it this way. Come and see is opposite sides of the same coin of have you ever tried praying about it? We have these booklets in the back called Try Praying. I don't know where my booklet went. Oh, there it is. Okay. Little booklets called Try Praying. You're with a person who's complaining about the political landscape, complaining about anything. And they're a friend. This really works well with a person whom you know well. And you say, have you ever tried praying about it? And you hand them this booklet. Because you know, 245 million Americans pray. 175 million Americans pray each day. And did you know that one in four non-religious people who say they're non-religious actually pray? So it's not an unreasonable thing to ask, really. And that's in the front page of this booklet. And you can hand them this booklet where in the first few pages, it's just a seven-day journey of going to the Lord in prayer. They open up there and it says the morning of a job interview, the the night when a family member is sick, the five minutes before an exam, students, right? Right? Most people have prayed in moments of desperation. Was someone listening? Was Was the prayer answered? People find praying helps and have had answers. You can find out if someone does listen in prayer. So this is a seven-day journey to Jesus Christ. Prayer is a conversation with God. You don't need to use special words or a special voice. You can pray out loud or silently. God knows what you think and is aware of all that you do. You can talk to him about anything. And so for the next seven days, they have a little reading and a little prayer that helps them form their words. And you get to the end of it. Where on day seven, they focus on awe. And they get to the end of that little reading, which is really a devotional. And they pray out loud or in their heart. They say, dear God, I'm sorry for the things that I've spoiled in my life. I must have offended you in it all as well. Please forgive me. Help me to forgive myself. And I ask that you would come into my life right now through your spirit. And make me the kind of person you want me to be. And then the next few days of follow-up are just devotionals on the typical questions after praying such a prayer. What about suffering? What about unanswered prayer? What about the Holy Spirit? What about the evidence for belief? And then some next steps for them in their walks. And so I want to encourage you as you leave today, I'm going to give these to you. And you go through it yourself and then hand it away. Ask a friend, have you tried praying? Because it's really just another appeal to come and see Jesus. You didn't have to memorize evangelism explosion. You didn't have to memorize any type of outline. We're going to talk about sharing our faith verbally next week in a very easy way to do so. Because you're not always going to have a booklet on you. But I, I carry this booklet with me in my tilt pocket. 
I, I keep them in my golf bag on the golf course. Hand them out. Let's see what the Lord does. It's just another tool in our tool belt to help people to come and see. So turn with me in your Bibles. We're going to look at this passage in John 1 and see what come and see actually does. Because come and see does three things that I see in this passage. First, it helps us examine the evidence with our friends. It's really a fun point of the passage. Because it helps you with your questions and your doubts. You process your doubts and your questions as you read the Bible together. And you're doing it with someone who you care for, a friend. One of the things that's so interesting about this is John the Baptist leads Andrew to Jesus. Andrew leads his brother, Peter, to Jesus. And Philip leads Nathaniel to Jesus. When Philip says, come and see, what he's saying is, let's go see Jesus. Let, let's, let's, let's check this out together. That's all we're saying. So what you really have here is an important point, and statistics bear this out. There are exceptions, of course, but in general, and I think our young people really ought to hear this as well, that there are exceptions, but in general, the way to find Jesus is almost always through a friend. Or a family member. Someone where you live, where you work, where you play. Where you're known and they know you. Statistically, you're not going to find Jesus unless you've already been found by a friend who has already found Jesus. That's the first thing. Come and see means we help examine what we believe and why we believe it and the evidence with a friend. Secondly, it means that we are humbled to change. The word come means I move from where I am to another location. I make a change. The reason Jesus says come is because he wants them to follow him. He doesn't just want them to be people who say, oh, I believe that. The text gets that across in a couple ways, but here's the best one. If you look at John chapter 1, the entire chapter on verse 29 you know, for the first time, John the Baptist says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But it's not until actually verse 35 when they actually follow Jesus. This is a way for us to see the difference. When John the Baptist said, This is the Messiah, they're excited, they believed, they were thrilled. And they joined the Jesus Christ fan club. But they weren't followers yet. See the difference? For example, let's say you come to, like Kimmy and I are coming to love, the writings of Wendell Berry. He's a great author. I encourage you to, to read Wendell Berry. He's a Kentuckian. He's older now. But he just writes so well. Great author. Great, wonderful novels. And uh, we form the Wendell Berry Fan Club. And we form a book club. That every month we read a different Wendell Berry book. We come together, and it's just wonderful. He really is a great author. They're great stories. And one day, Wendell Berry comes to our book club, and we're all agog. Ah, it's great. We go up. We shake his hand. Part of Wendell Berry's life has touched part of our life. 
let me give you a different scenario. Let's say you marry Wendell Berry, or a female version of Wendell Berry if you're a dude. Things have changed now. It's not just part of Wendell Berry's life on part of your life, but all of his life is now stretched out in contact with all of your life. Many of of us realized the reality of that the day after we were married. You got up, you went downstairs, you were starting to go out for a, a carton of milk, and your spouse goes, where are you going? Well, you never had to answer that before, right? That wasn't necessary. That's the difference between someone who just ascribes to believing in Jesus to a person who's following Jesus. Knowing Jesus personally, becoming a follower, and that happens through a process of change. Come. What did you hear? To hear. And that happens through crossing the threshold of opening a booklet, sharing number one booklet, just crossing the threshold of of the church, walking through the door to come to our women's luncheon during Holy Week, which is our mission week. Gentlemen, we're going to have a men's night out during that week, inviting a friend. That's, that's a lot for our friends and neighbors to cross that threshold. But it's one thing to be a believer. It's another thing to be a follower. Come and see means it humbles you to change. Third thing that come and see means is to come and wonder at who God is in Jesus Christ. Nathaniel's mind is blown when he hears the fig tree. I saw you before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree. I saw you. What actually happened? What's important to know is that Nathaniel had had some type of religious experience that Jesus knew about. Maybe Nathaniel had been reading the story of Jacob's ladder because that's what Jesus was quoting. Could have used that for our Old Testament. Maybe he'd been contemplating about being baptized by John the Baptist. Maybe he was thinking about the Messiah. Maybe he had been prayed that the Messiah would reveal himself to him. But Nathaniel was a person without deceit. And he had a spiritual experience under a fig tree. And Jesus was saying, I know about that experience that you had, that you had shared only with God. Jesus knew. And so, being a person without deceit, Nathaniel put two and two together. He knew that God is omniscient, all-knowing. That's what that word means. And he realized that Jesus' statement demonstrated omniscience. I'm standing in the presence of God incarnate. Consider Nathaniel's response in verse 49. Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. That's an incredible answer. Nathaniel was prepared 
to come and know God. And when he saw Jesus on mission, he responded and did a complete 180 degree turn. Confessed that Jesus was the son of God, all because he had experienced the omniscience of Jesus. And Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, you believe? You ain't seen nothing yet. It's significant because Jesus in verse 51 blows the lid off. And you need to understand, he moves from the second person singular to Nathaniel to the third person singular plural. Or second person uh, plural. I'm not a grammarian. All right. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, Y'all will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Let me tell you something, Nathaniel, beyond your imagination, I'm the gate of heaven, Jacob saw in Jacob's ladder in Genesis. I'm the way through the wall of that cosmic reality that's behind this world. That means all of this is about Jesus Christ. All the stories of the Old Testament are about him. When John the Baptist says, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, what's he saying? You know, out goes God's justice throughout Egypt, but the ones who slew the Lamb, covered their doorposts with the blood of the Lamb, were saved. And John is saying, it's not just because it was a woolly lamb that they were saved. That story is about this story, Jesus Christ. All about his life and his death. And it even goes beyond that. When Jesus Christ says, I am the, the door, the gateway, all the biblical stories about me, all stories about me. Why do we love Beauty and the Beast? Why do we love Sleeping Beauty? I'll tell you why. Because even though we know they're not true, they seem to be true. They seem to be right. We know in our souls that in Beauty and the Beast that the idea of sacrificial love will transform always completely. But real life doesn't happen. But we want, we know that should, right? Sleeping Beauty. We're not really asleep. We're under a spell. We're not really dead. We're under a spell, and there's some great prince who can come and rescue us and break that spell. Every one of those stories is telling us something about something we must know is true. There must be a love that can break death. There must be a way to live forever. There must be a way that if we sacrifice, it will lead to resurrection. Jesus is saying the reason you feel that way is because there's a cosmic reality on the other side of the wall it's behind this world but my story of my birth my life my death my resurrection is not one more legend pointing to the great reality it's the reality to which all the other legends point therefore he says to us don't you remember all the times you read all those stories and you said to yourself, 
oh, I wish I was in that story. I'm telling you, if I'm in Return of the King, I'm one of the writers of Rohan, baby. You know, Theoden's going, ride now, I'm here, let's go! Why? There's an evil in the world that must be defeated. Must be. All those doors ultimately point to Jesus. Because all those doors, Jesus says, you can get into heaven. It's the story about which all of the stories are pointing. You can know Jesus, and then into your life will come the Holy Spirit with a cosmic power. And you'll be in that story, because you're in his kingdom. Spells will be broken in your life. And spells will be broken in other people's lives. I'm not the one more wonderful legend pointing to this reality. I am the reality to which all other legends point to. You might be thinking, and your friends will think, I want that. That's what I want in my life. That's what's missing in my life. How can I get in that story? And come and see means I can't even begin to describe what will happen in your life in a relationship with Jesus Christ. But when you come and follow him, not just believe, but follow him, and so people hear that, and even you might be thinking, well, okay, Gene, I get it. I need to read my Bible more. I need to pray. I need to, you know, tell my friends about Jesus and study the Bible. Stop. Well, that's what this sermon is about, right? You know, surely this sermon isn't going on for that much longer, is it? No, it's not going to continue for that much longer. But you're missing the key. If that's what you're thinking. The key is not to do anything. The key. Jesus does not say, I'm at the top of the ladder. Angels and archangels are descending and descending to the Son of Man. He doesn't say, if you try really hard and climb the ladder, you can ascend. Because you can't. Psalm 24 says, who can ascend the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Is that any of us? No. There's nobody in this room that describes us. So how are we going to get up there? Notice, Jesus doesn't say they're descending to the Son of Man. They're ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is different. He doesn't say... I. I just set the ladder to heaven. Try your best. He says, I am the ladder. I came to bring you to God. I came all the way down. I lived the life you should have lived and died the death you should have died. Trust in me. And you're in the story. Because you're in my kingdom. That's what come and see means. Come and see. Look at the evidence of a friend. Come and see posture of humility willing to change and come and see means be amazed at the amazing grace of Jesus Christ 
Jesus is joyfully laughing. He can't wait to show you what he's going to do for you and your friends. As you reach out to them and say, have you tried praying about it? Come and see. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask now, especially as we approach your table this morning, that you would help us to give ourselves to you fully. We want to be your followers, not just those who would say, oh, I believe that. No, Lord, we want to we be all in, helping our friends to know you, to grow in you, and thus serve you. We want to know you personally. And we know most of all, we have to put our trust in what you've done for us, Lord Jesus Christ. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you would help us to do just that. Invite our friends that we meet where we live and work and play. To invite them to try praying about their problems. To come and see and come along with us. For we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.